Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dandia. For the next three episodes, I'm doing a feature called the Everyday Man series, where I will be speaking to three men that I know who are fathers and husbands. They are working and building a future for their families while putting in the work to better themselves so they can be better fathers and husbands. These are true heroes in our lives, but do not get the praise they deserve. In the first episode of this feature, I sit down with my friend, Kirk Coburn. Kirk is based in Calgary, and I've had the honor of getting to know him really well over the past year. We have also started our own men's group together in Calgary. In this episode, Kirk shares his story and how he considered suicide as a child due to his insecurities. Kirk then talks about how a letter from his father changed his entire perspective and he realized how his life meant more. Now Kirk is a proud father to two boys and a loving husband. Kirk shares his journey of doing the work and becoming a better man. I really hope you get a lot out of this episode and if at the end you could leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. All right, Kirk, uh, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. It's been a while uh, since we've been talking about this, but I'm glad you finally made it. Super grateful that you've you know, been able to take the time from your busy schedule to come on here and talk to me. Um, and then, you know, we've been fortunate enough to kind of work together on starting up Mankind Initiative. So I've gotten to know you quite a bit over the last few months, but for listeners that don't know you, um, do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do? Um, and then we'll, we'll get on and talk about with, about your story. Absolutely. Uh, so like I said, name's Kirk Coburn. I'm born and raised Calgarian, uh, second generation of all things. So this is a town that seems to be made up of a lot of transient people. So it's an interesting thing being a second generation here. Uh, been with my high school sweetheart. We've been together for over 25 years. I've got two kids, uh, two boys, um, yeah, nine and seven. So right in those ages where things can get really exciting uh, for work. I work in oil and gas. I've done a number of things from general manager at a small EPCM engineering company to uh, working on the pipeline side, to facility work, and now I'm actually in sales for a small vacuum water company. Cool, cool. Yeah, I guess it is pretty rare to meet uh, Calgarians, but to be second generations even, you're almost like a unicorn. So, <laughs> um, so th- I mean, that's, that's amazing, you know, great uh, experience in oil and gas, but what is it about mental health that kind of makes you passionate uh even to the point of you know even the work we're doing with mankind initiative um like where does that passion and drive come from absolutely uh great question um i think it's really kind of come out in the last little bit uh, being part of mankind um but i would probably draw it back to two major things within my life um one kind of the initial impact of, of what made me really start to think about this would be my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was really young, uh, I was a very competitive athlete. My mom was a gymnastics coach. I was a competitive gymnast at that time. 
Um, my life uh, revolved around being a high-end athlete. Uh, the hard part for me, though, as I was growing, I, I had some injuries, but also unknown to me, I was a dyslexic kid. Um, and my dad was an English teacher and my mom was also a teacher. So as I was growing, I, I, given my age group and everything else, it was not something that was commonly diagnosed. And, uh, I ran into some very hard times. Um, one of the more interesting things about it, I was also a very introverted individual, uh, so much to the point where I actually, I, I didn't trick or treat very much. I didn't just the notion of going up to someone's a stranger's house and ringing the doorbell and have them open it up. And even though or giving me candy was like terrifying at that time, mm -hmm. uh, it was something I was extremely comfortable, more or less uh, uncomfortable with. I think the premises behind that was um, at that time, unknowing that I was say dyslexic or whatever it was, I just felt different. And then I, I, I gained uh, calmness by being alone at that time. So uh, my dad was also a kids entertainer and he wrote kids music. He's got kids, three kids CDs out. Uh, he wrote them about us as kids. But the one thing that I, I really saw with him and that he really worked with me uh, when I was young was his ability to empathize um, and relate to kids like myself and he was a high school teacher at, at one of the communities here that is seen as maybe a, a harder high school to be at mm -hmm. and he had a, a beautiful way of interacting with them and just his ability to really walk into a situation and have a kid on the edge of their seat eventually sit down and relax and find comfort within themselves mm -hmm. so I saw this uh, from my father and and a lot of the times uh, there was a point in my life where I was really suffering, uh, trying to figure out who I was. And I was roughly, I'd like to say 12 or 13. Um, and in some ways I, I, I always used to see myself as an indigo child an, an old soul. And, uh, I had, I had a number of things that happened rather at school and in my own mind where I, I, I got to a very low point. Uh, to a point where I was suicidal, um, very broken, and uh, I looked inward, uh, and all I saw was darkness. And my dad ended up, you know, he of course trying to do a number of things to to help me, but the biggest one he, beforehand that he thought I needed help with was like spelling and, and everything else. Which of course, uh, when when that's your <laughs> was seen as your twelve year old kid, like that's the worst thing ever. Uh, he eventually saw that it was much more than that. And he ended up writing me this letter. And uh, um, it was actually funny. I, I have the letter here and I, I, I can even read a bit of the bottom of it. So I'm a 12-year-old I'm kid and my dad ends up writing me this. Uh, I'll just read one part of it. Um, when you read this, I want you to remember uh, a couple of things. One, I will always love you. Two, you are yourself. So believe in yourself. Into the and believe in yourself and be the best person that you can be. You are the you are my best friend, and because I'm so proud of you, I am also proud that you are my son. Love your dad. Like it was just the weirdest part is when I ended up reading this letter. It was I saw suffering in him um, for because I, I saw him as a parent at that at that time where I thought everything was my fault and I saw what what I internally was doing to him. Mm -hmm. And this was this 
this individual I looked up to on, on how he could empathize and, and bring these kids out. And then I, I, I almost saw what I was doing to him at that point. And it kind of had a little switch in my brain at that point. And it almost made me realize that, you know, my problems aren't as big as I thought they were. Uh, what I'm essentially doing to myself and how I think I'm, I'm, I'm trapped in my own feelings. I'm actually pouring that out on to this other individual who's, whose sole goal is to help me, uh, especially someone who cares about me so deeply. Mm-hmm. And at that very point, um, I really started to cognitively recognize my, uh, my own mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that point on, I really tried to almost emulate him in a degree to how he would approach things and, and move forward. Uh, and for me, that was really, really, it was very important to my growth. So uh, at that time, I was not a slight child. I was a, a heavier set child. Uh, I had some injuries, which definitely changed me from being an athletic kid onward. So um, I needed to interact and, and grow and meet girls. So it was, it was a way for me to break out of my shell too, by understanding how I could empathize with others, how I could um, console others. And it, it actually gave me warmth and understanding of my own position. So that's probably where I first got into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I guess I, I thank you for sharing that story. And, and um, I mean, I haven't heard all the details, so this was also new for me, but, um, and you said you were 12 or 13 at that time. So at that age, um, I guess, first of all, like when you talk about suicidal ideation, like what was that like? Because obviously you say, you know, you were this athletic kid and then injuries caused you. And I know you mentioned you, ha- you went to see, uh, was it a grandfather or uncle that where you put yes. on a lot of weight? So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So what, what was that like? What was going through your head? And then uh, obviously I have more questions based on that too. hundred percent. So at that time, um, my mom was a, uh, she was a, she went to the States through colleges for being a, uh, a 400 meter hurdler. So a, an extremely accomplished athlete at the same time, uh, traveled through the States. So as a coach, uh, we went through really, really hard training. Um, and I'll be honest with you, like some of that is the basis on why I've had success in life because I've been able to deal with a lot of physical pain and other things uh, and mental stress uh, and coping because my mom might've been so hard on me that at that time, but it also caused other things, uh, a great feelings of failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I couldn't come out of that situation due to some of the injuries and the weight gain, uh, um, it, I didn't see an, uh, a way out of it anymore. And in my thought process at that time, I was not only a failure to my mom uh, because I wasn't the athlete that she was hoping I would be. I, I was also a failure to my father who uh, was an outgoing um, songwriter, uh, artistic individual where I couldn't express anything because I just physically and mentally didn't have that capacity at that time due to things outside my control. So I found myself in a deep seat of real self-loathing and hate and darkness. And I, I was at that time in that mentality where I really thought, you know, my family, especially the ones that I care about the most, would be better off if they didn't have to deal with the pain I was feeling, mm-hmm. uh, which is, of course, a misconception of 
love first and foremost and of, of effort because um, I think every parent uh, as I become a parent really wants to see their best for their child um, and the weight of that and what I internalized the weight of that really kind of compounded and crushed on me at that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, that's an important thing to note that often when there is suicidal ideation, like the, the, to your point, there's a misconception that I'm being a burden or I'm a failure um, and these people would be better off without me. Mm. Uh, and, and I guess in your case, very similar um, and then, you know, you talked about your dad's note and um, there was a, another thing that you had told me that he had mentioned in that letter that really uh, resonated for you uh, in terms of him apologizing to you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In the sense that he thought he had failed me. Um, and, uh, and I think that uh, that's a good point to really bring up because at that point too, I really recognized that you know, what I was doing to myself, I wasn't only just doing to myself, it was it was doing it to him as well, uh, where he had felt like he had now failed me, because he couldn't pull me out. Uh, like he wouldn't, you know, kids at school, kids, mm -hmm. he saw for, you know, six hours a day, he was able to do that, you know, one on one within an hour or two, and, and I lived with him. And I was this, I was his kid, and, and he could see me suffering. And at that point, he really didn't know what what else to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I guess when, when you, I know you talked about it a little bit, but when you read those words, what, like, what was it that changed your mind in terms of, okay, well, I am like, you know, like my father does love me and, and he does care about me. And what were the things that you did after that? Like, how did you change your mind or sorry, change your mindset, I guess. I think the biggest thing for me I, I realized that where I, I thought I was alone, I thought I was alone with these feelings. And when I, when I heard my dad express very similar feelings, even though it wasn't the same situation as myself, there was that, it was, it was, it was an opening of empathy where it was almost like a human moment. It's probably the best way I could describe it. I felt a human moment and that moment right there was truly what kind of pushed me on in that point where I wanted to listen to others' stories. I wanted to understand what was troubling them. You know, was it the same uh, sort of feelings that were, were, were crushing them internally that were crushing me? Is, mm -hmm. is there something that I could do, you know, to, to free some weight on myself and them by just having, you know, someone to express it with? Um, and I think that's really what opened me up. Uh, from being so introverted as well, I, I found, you know, there is a lot of um, release that can happen when just through conversation, uh, just through uh, being open, I guess is probably the best word. And then, uh, you know, funny enough, the more I did that, and the more I was myself, the more actually things just positively started to roll from there it gained like a, like a snowball per se the snowball effect where the more i opened up the more who i was the more honest i was uh yes there were some negative things that came off of that but the the weight of that compared to the positivity that i felt and grew uh was insignificant on on the negative side so i, I just began to roll with that and it really helped mold my personality 
going forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, that, I mean, that sounds great. And I guess for people that are in similar mindsets or situations, like, is that something you would recommend or what are other suggestions you would have uh, to your point where people are feeling alone in their feelings um, and, and can't seem to find a way out? Yeah, I, I, th I think the biggest thing for me was having my dad reach out to me. So when I think about it, I was I was terrified that anybody would ever know that I thought of this, like that this crossed my mind that this was a reasonable course of action for me. Um, and the idea that all it took was someone just to say, hey, you know, like, I, I love you and I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry if, 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 if I feel like I failed you uh, and, and I need to understand, you know, what's happening. And at that point, it really changed from that internal darkness to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, ho hold on. This, this isn't just about me anymore. Mm -hmm. This now includes someone I also care about. And the last thing I wanted to do was disappoint them, right? And then disappointing them was the whole reason I, I felt like I was in this situation. And now I'm, I'm, I'm doing it over again. Like, I got to stop here and, and reevaluate how I'm approaching and seeing this. So I think for myself, having just someone reach out and say, hey, and I once heard someone say, never be afraid to ask someone about suicide if you think they are suicidal, because if they are suicidal, they're already thinking about it, mm -hmm. right? It's not like you're going to put that thought or that image in their head. It's, it's already there. And mm -hmm. if you're afraid that it's already there, having the almost the the courage to do that will give them the courage to be honest with you at the same time. And at that point, there's an open door, right? And if we, if we, if we sit at that door and we look at it with empathy and we look at it from the other individual's point of view, we, we can see that, Hey, it's not as dark as it, as we thought it was. There's someone here who's willing to take some of the burden or, or give you a path or give you a position to move forward or just even listen. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, that, I mean, I I've been fortunate enough to hear that story before and I find it's really powerful. Um, and I think it can really, you know, if people are listening can, can hopefully help them as well. Um, and I guess, you know, you had also mentioned that, you know, the passion for mental health comes from two real instances in your life this was one of them um and then the other one if you mind elaborating on that absolutely so a couple of years ago um i'll preface this so in life we have we have little things that kind of go on and i've used uh my mental health to help in many different situations and conversations and everything else but it's, it's been very um close-knit close family, close friends, uh, people who you, you care to open yourselves to and everything else. So it, it's, it's, wasn't very outreaching. Uh, the part that, that pushed me to go out beyond my, my normal comfort zone, my normal friend circle was there was an individual a couple of years ago who I saw had very similar traits to myself. Um, very charismatic individual, um, large following of, of friends. Um, he was in sales to a degree. He was a general manager at this, uh, at a 
at an establishment. Uh, we knew each other very well, very jovial, first one to make the joke, um, great individual to be around. Uh, talked to him a couple of days uh, just before a major event that was happening that he was hosting. He was excited about how that was looking. He was really excited for me to see how, how it was coming together. Uh, and it, it was it was great. And then uh, a couple of days later, uh, news came in that he had actually he had gone through and committed suicide. And it just shocked me in, in the sense that, you know, uh, even with myself, uh, we, we have we have a number of faces that we seem to put on. And unless we give each other an opportunity to take that face off and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. I need a safe space where I can just have a conversation. Unless those positions are open where people know, know that they can do this, we, we lose light. We lose mm -hmm. these, these beautiful individuals in time. So when uh, Mankind Initiatives uh, was starting up and you yourself actually approached me on this, uh, it really kind of struck me at that moment that this is that opportunity. It's that opportunity to not only do what my father did to me, but maybe, you know, I can, I can be there for someone else and just give them a chance to pull some weight off their chest, right? To have a breath in a moment, to reevaluate where they are and, and maybe seek different help to find different avenues. And I looked at it and I'm like, okay, I've done so many things in my life. Uh, I've had great successes and a number of other things, but uh, at, at some point you end up looking at your, your personal self. What have, what have you truly done for other individuals? Mm -hmm. I, I honestly believe that, you know, the more that we get into this COVID and isolation, we are, we are only as good as the community we surround ourselves in, right? So as people get pushed into isolation even more to stay at home, uh, to live in their boxes and everything else, they lose any avenues they have to, to vent these frustrations, to take off their masks. And, and we find that we are, we are, we're, we're losing a, a number of beautiful people that, 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 that could have been, you know, it may have just been a conversation. That's all mm -hmm. it would have taken. Mm -hmm. And it drives me crazy to think that I spent so much of my time and, and may this be two hours every two weeks uh, to go and, and it might happen once in my lifetime, but, but man, is that worth it? Mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. It's worth it not only to myself, but it, it's worth it to the individuals, their families, their friends, everyone. Like the mm -hmm. impact of, of that is tremendous mm -hmm. and it can be tremendous and it should be tremendous uh especially if we build that community not only we end up paying it forward because you know uh, uh, someone once said to me we attract the energy we portray mm -hmm. right people so if we are entering a room and and you yourself are in a position of 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 comfort and, and self-knowledge and everything else and someone's not feeling that they're gonna want to feel that because it, it is a positive thing. And if you can just help them feel that a little bit to know that, hey, that's not where you're going to be. There is a, a, a different way to feel. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Let, let's have it out. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, that's powerful. Um, and you're right. I mean, all of us, um, 
you know, specifically men, we, we tend to put these masks on or, or, you know, put on a brave face and, and then we're struggling in, in <laughs> behind the scenes, right. Uh, in, in silence and we don't know how to do it. And, um, and to your point during COVID, it's, it's been hard for many people. Cause you know, you're kind of around the same people, whether mostly your family and they're also struggling. So how do you help each other out? And, you know, they may not see, some of those tendencies or struggles you may be developing slowly every day. Um, it's like, you know, when you put on weight, people around you don't notice, right? Cause they're just used to seeing you every day. Uh, and then, whereas someone else who may see you after three months, they'd be like, wow, you know, you look different. So I think there's power in these communities. And to your point, I think if, if other men can come and have these conversations and it, it could just be, venting you know and we've seen that at our sessions where guys are just like hey i just want to vent or i just want to talk about this because i i'm not getting uh the same type of feedback or suggestions from my spouse or my friends or my family so i just want a, another objective view or or different perspective so i think there's a lot of power in that um and um and and you know for you to use your own uh, life experiences uh, to, to be able to help others is huge. I think a lot of us should do that. Absolutely. In, in the end, all we truly are is a collection of experiences. And, and the human experience in my, is that, is, is running through and understanding those experiences. So if we can, and some, some may say that's the purpose of life. And if the purpose of life is to truly go through an experience, why, why would we not take a moment and it's just a moment to mm -hmm. say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Has anybody else felt this? Has, what, what have you done to find your way through this? Um, and it, it seems so small and, and truly it is. But when, when you end up in a room and you're looking into someone's eyes and, and you see exactly how they feel through their body language, through everything else, it's not little, man. We it is a great moment for, for everyone in there. And, and I think it, we've lost that sense of community. Um, we, we work on a computer. We, we, we walk in and look at our phones. We, we drive alone in our cars. We, we sit alone in our house and we all have our own TVs. We, you know, we go to a restaurant with our friends and then we, we text each other across the table. It, it, it seems insane uh when we're such social creatures when much like you said it's, it's like putting on weight or or um anything else like that when, when you open your eyes back up to really what's around you and what you can receive from that community there is it, it's unbelievable in a sense that it, it it shows you not only the brightest brights but really what 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 other people are going through some of the darknesses that are there it helps you appreciate you know certain things within your life and it helps you appreciate how other people go through through their lives um it, it, we have many things to learn from each other and and we need to do it uh, in front of each other uh in groups with each other uh because i i feel moving forward that's one of the things we're, we're losing that ability to truly communicate and and, and see the value of of teams and community yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think there's an aspect of vulnerability and openness that needs to be there and, and lack of, uh, like, not lack of, but no judgment when someone's opening up and sharing. Because, I mean, there's gonna be times where, you know, someone's struggle is 
when you kind of look at it, it may be smaller in comparison, right? So, so you have to be mindful of that. Um, and I guess in your case, Kirk, like, you know, obviously to be able to go through something uh, at such an early age and kind of build that awareness of knowing how, you know, your life and your choices can impact so many people in your life that love you and care for you. What is, how have you been able to carry that into your kind of adult life, especially now, you know, being a father to two boys? Um, how are you sharing that experience and trying to role model for, for your boys? Actually, that, that's a great question. Um, and, and I'll be honest, it's one that scares the shit out of me, right? Uh, I have these two individuals very different from each other. You know, my oldest is the um, caring, soft-spoken, uh, intellectual. Uh, my youngest is actually truly, he's, 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 he lives with his heart on his sleeve. Uh, he's an absolute pain in the ass. And he's excitable all over the place. He, I, I joke with people. I'm like, oh, I've got an educational fund for my older one. And I've got a lawyer fund for the younger one. Right. So I, I've got these two individuals in the house and it's even how I approach them differently. Um, because I think what, where we, we, we fall off on a lot of this is without being in these communities and without being amongst each other and really being open with individuals, we forget how to approach people uh, in ways where they are, are able to hear your words and understand them for what they are. Right. So you're not fighting. So when I approach my youngest, I, I don't want to come at him in a position where I know his walls are already up. Right. Uh, and with him, a lot of it, uh, and how I discuss it with him is truly how his actions are projecting and, and causing other people to feel, mm -hmm. uh, in the sense where I know he harbors that he's like, I don't, he doesn't want to be the bad kid and he doesn't want to do this. And I'm like, well, how do you think that made, you know, your mom feel when you did this action? And it, it's, it's truly interesting to see him look at it and then go, Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't want to do that to mom and I and my actions were mad and I was I was mad at a game or whatever it could be and by smashing the controller and yelling and, and doing all this uh it truly affected how my mom was feeling how my older brother was feeling uh myself and and you, you could see him work through that to be like oh okay but the biggest I think the most important thing that I do with each of them and I tell him this I say hey and, and it's my way, right or wrong. I, I'm like, I need you to come to me and, and tell me if something's wrong. Tell me you've done something wrong or tell me anything else. Because if I find out from you, it's a discussion we can have. Mm -hmm. If I find out myself uh, through the situation of something's broken or anything else, now I, I distrust what you're doing. I, uh, uh, the honesty is no longer there. Mm -hmm. So I encourage them to share their feelings and, and the idea that it will be a discussion if they bring it up front and, and they're honest with their, their feelings and how they're feeling. And then we can work through that rather than them uh, finding the success of, uh, of hiding it and, and, and the fear of, of actually facing that consequence, right? Uh, and uh, which I think happens in everyday life, right? Yeah. Uh, something happens at work, you, you go and have that conversation with your boss because if you have a conversation with your boss, you're more likely going to be able to work through it. Where if he finds out you've done something, it's like, dude, get this guy out of here. We can't trust him anymore. So it's building those 
communication, those, those found the foundation for, for honest and empathetic communication at that age where they can see the benefits of it, where it is more beneficial to do that than to do the other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, it's easier said than done, right? Yes. I, I try to um, kind of foster that same environment for my son. And, you know, I think I've shown him a, a few times that if he's honest with me, I'm not going to get mad. It's to your point, it's a discussion, but there's still that hesitation, right? And I think part of that hesitation, as you mentioned, when you were a kid comes from, I don't want to disappoint this person that I look mm-hmm. up to, or this person has expectations of me. And now I've fallen short. So I think that in itself also requires more conversation, right? And I I look at it as constant communication with our kids, like, okay, you're right. You know, I am disappointed, but I'm not disappointed in you. I'm just disappointed in this outcome. And how can we fix that? So it's, it's being able to, to, you know, just change the narrative a little bit where you're making sure the kids are not taking it personally. It's, it's that use of language. That's exactly it. You know, you're not disappointed in them. You're, you're, you're upset in the consequence of, of, of what their actions produced, right? You're disappointed that this was the outcome of what had, what had happened, but not them. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think, I think that's a very important um, uh, way to define it as well, because with my kids, and I'll be honest with you, uh, they know that and I, and I tell them every day to be a good individual is not an easy path. Mm-hmm. It is a path that is, it is riddled with, with a lot of hard, hard work that, that is going to feel, um, they're going to, they're going to struggle with it in a number of times for many reasons, right? Cause you know, the tattletale is not the cool kid. You know, if you're not out and back, smoking a joint or whatever else as they get older it's like man everything else so you're teaching them numbers of lessons at that time you know like there there is a there's a, a balance we need to make within that you know to be trustworthy to their friends as well as us you know where is this uh line of importance and how do we draw it how do we draw our own sense of morality out of it i guess and, and driving a, a sense of right and wrong back in into the kids uh, and knowing that choosing the right decision is going to be hard, but the work that you put into it and as they grow and see that, okay, yeah, this is not necessarily what I want to do and come and tell you. And it was going to be difficult for me to do all this and get through and maybe deal with whatever punishments I put in front of them. But the, the trust I give them after the, 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 what we go for as an accomplishment for them working through this to, to really build them up through that, I think is extremely important as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's very true. And and I think a lot of it you you had mentioned to me in the past, uh, was something that your, your own father had fostered with you, right? So, um, so like even the choice of words and stuff like that, we have to be so careful when we're, when we're talking to our children. Language, language is one of the most powerful things that we have, right? Uh, we're, we're lucky in the English language that depending on which word we emphasize can change the whole concept of the conversation. Uh, and, and really we should be using that as much as we possibly can. 
And that's the beauty of it, right? So I think with my youngest, he really struggles to, to show that communication. Uh, one of the biggest things I do with him is I, I really ask him, I'm like, slow down, slow down, like really collect your thoughts. And, and, and if you are frustrated and, and if this is driving you nuts, it's not just stupid. This is stupid. I'm like, that, that tells everyone nothing. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what does this mean? How, like communicate to me, take your time, think about this, let's work through it. And, and the more he's able to really do that and articulate how he feels, I believe he will gain confidence in, in doing that as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's, uh, that's very true. Um, and I guess, Kirk, like towards the end here, but I know we've talked about your own journey and some of the work you're doing now. But where do you see yourself going with some of the, you know, this passion you have around mental health? And I know you and I did a podcast as well around Mankind Initiative, but I don't want to get into that. But just kind of your own personal journey around mental health and how you want to impact other people, because obviously, you know, it's something that you really care about and, and you know, you hold close to your heart. So where does what does that look like in the future? Absolutely. I think for me, it is truly based on the time we have here, um, I'm only able to truly affect those and I, that I believe that I have direct contact with in, 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 a, in a meaningful and positive way when it comes to mental health. So when I wake up each morning, uh, I go through my own personal routine that, that involves many things to get myself mentally ready for the day. But I truly approach it uh, with, with every conversation, with every act, uh, to focus on, you know, what is for myself, what, what am I trying to portray? And in all honesty, it could be, I'm sitting at a restaurant and the waitress comes up and she, you you could tell she's had an absolute shit day. And sometimes, you know, even if the, even if the service is shit to me, I'll go ahead and I'll I'll tip 25%. I'm just like here, you know, because in reality, say that's an extra 10 or 20 bucks. for me right now, that's nothing. But for her at that moment, that might change her whole perspective on her day. You know, that she could be like, you know, I I just served the the shittiest meal with no service and everything else. And he looked at me and he said, hey, I can see you're having a bad day. Hopefully this helps. Go home and try to be nice to someone, right? And that that shift, right? That's that's all we have to do. We can do that with every interaction we get in, right? Say you you were even got rear-ended in the, in the car, right? You you can get out and you can tear someone an absolute strip, right? But if you're healthy and you're not hurt, that's that's a, that's a piece of metal and plastic. You got insurance. Someone's gonna take care of it. It's a pain in the ass. But in, in reality, I'm pretty sure that person's world just fell apart, mm-hmm. right? So we we can approach it in many ways. Yes, people need to learn lessons, and there's consequences that must be. Uh, obtained from doing certain acts but how we approach them and how we approach each other and that conversation on how that comes through we are in control of that we portray how we want to uh others to see us so i see that uh, as i go through each and every day you know like why 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 can't we put a little light into everyone's life if we're able to you know everyone deserves a compliment I always say that, right? You know, make it honest, honest, make it genuine. Yeah, just just put it out there. It's not gonna hurt you. And if someone asks you an honest question, give them an honest answer. And mm-hmm. for me, as I go into these situations and these meetings, 
and, and through mankind. If we can grow that community, we can push that out and, and it can exponentially grow. That would be, that's the cat's ass, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The way I look at it, and I think you touched on it uh, earlier too, is, you know, if, if there's even two individuals there and we're making, helping them by extension, you know, they're going and helping their families, their spouses, their kids, and that's just spreading. Right. And, and it's so powerful when we have that mindset. So, um, you know, I, I, again, appreciate everything uh, you've shared, Kirk. Thank you again for coming on here, sharing your story uh, for people that want to get a hold of you or have questions for you. What are some ways they can do that? Or even if they want to buy some art from you. So yeah, if you want to share some of that. <laughs> Absolutely. You can definitely get a hold of me on, on Instagram. Uh, I don't even know my tag on there, to be honest with you. I'm that guy. Uh, it's, uh, well, you can go, you can reach us on the Mankind Initiative for sure. Yeah. Um, and then what is my Instagram? <laughs> you got me on this. It is Y2Art or W2ArtYYC. Uh, that's an easy way to get a hold of me. Express yourself through art. Do it. Yeah. Be creative. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a, it's, it's an amazing outlet. I'm just not equipped for it. But <laughs> you do it in many other ways for it. You do it through podcasts. Like you, you, you're doing it right now. You know, I about that art isn't simply just putting paint on a wall it, it it's it's being creative within these podcasts I, but yeah thank you for the time man i appreciate you having this conversation with me i appreciate you letting me you know tell my story yeah no anytime anytime we'll do more of these yeah thank you for tuning in to another episode as always please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy the episodes or leave a comment in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. Thank you again, and until next week.